This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, as you know, the last several years I've been doing culture commentaries and so on on YouTube, which is the most popular website in the world. I make comments on books and movies and culture and scripture and so on. And then people can respond. So I get a very good feel, I think, for what people outside the church are thinking. And more precisely, what's blocking them in their relationship to the church. I've identified four or five major areas. But you know what I think number one is? Number one problem. When you're talking to people outside the church and trying to get them to think about religion, is the problem of religion and violence. Now, all this has been exacerbated by the events of September 11th, when religious people, at least ostensibly religious people, performed this great act of violence. It stirred up a very old idea, namely that religion is irrational and therefore it's violent. If religious people disagree with each other and they can't make good arguments about their point of view, all they can do is fight. Well, people who are influenced by this view now go back through the Bible. And what do they find? Well, they find lots of examples of violence in the Bible. When God seems to be commanding all sorts of uh, terrible things, I found, by the way, that many of my atheist and agnostic uh, interlocutors on YouTube know these passages very well. They can run right to them. Well, even for a lot of people inside the church, this is a serious problem. What do you do with these texts that seem to be pretty uh, dire and pretty violent? God or God's people doing uh, terrible things. Well, let me give you one perspective on this. And I'm going to, in light of that perspective, walk through our first reading for today, which is one of these uh, rather violent passages. Here's the principle. The whole Bible for Christians should be read from the standpoint of the book of Revelation. And I mean now a particular image within the book of Revelation, because we're up in the heavenly court in the imagination of that author, and we see the scroll, which is sealed with seven seals. Well, the scroll stands for the scripture. You might say, too, it stands for all of history. It's sealed with seven seals. That means it, it can't be read yet. Well, the question is heard then, who will open the scroll? And there appears a lamb, a wounded lamb. And he's able to open the seals. Who's the wounded lamb? The lamb standing as though slain. That's the biblical language. Who is that? Well, that's Christ, the Son of God, the crucified Lord. The point is, it's in light of the crucified Christ that we properly read the whole Bible. He's the one that opens the seals to the whole scripture. That's why the worst thing you can do, friends, is to take a passage simply out of context and then say, well, there's what the Bible says. The whole Bible must be read through the lens 
of the nonviolent, crucified, and risen Christ. Okay? Now, with that in mind, with that in mind, let's go back to this uh, first reading. It's from the book of Exodus. It has to do with a battle between the Israelites and the Amalekites. This is now the period when the Israelites are making their way you know, out of Egypt and they're coming toward the promised land, but they're facing opposition. It says, In those days Amalek came and waged war against Israel. Moses therefore said to Joshua, Pick out certain men, and tomorrow go out and engage Amalek in battle. The passage ends this way. And Joshua mowed down Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Okay. As I say, a lot of the opponents of religion know this passage. And they say, well, who is this God who's commanding basically this genocide against the Amalekites? Who are these so-called holy people who are engaging in this war? Let's read it, though, in light of the book of Revelation. Let's read it in light of Christ crucified. Amalek, like the Philistines, like the Egyptians, like the Assyrians, like the Babylonians, like the Greeks, and like the Romans, stand in the Bible for all those powers that are arrayed against God. Don't think of Amalek here primarily as an ancient Middle Eastern tribe. I mean, if this is just a story about a a skirmish between ancient Middle Eastern peoples, why would we bother listening to it? It's in the Bible precisely because it's teaching us a profound spiritual lesson. Amalek, like all the other opponents of Israel, stand for hatred, violence, self-absorption, racism. It stands for all those powers that are arrayed against God. What's the command now? What's the command from God? You must eliminate this power. You must engage Amalek in battle and destroy him. Now, you know what comes to mind? A few books uh, later in the Bible, we have the command of Yahweh to Saul to put the ban on, again, mind you, the Amalekites. Putting the ban on someone meant You kill every man, woman, child, and animal. Why is Yahweh mad at Saul? Because Saul didn't put the ban. In fact, he kept some of the Amalekites for himself. And in fact, he kept the king of the Amalekites, Agag. Samuel, the prophet, comes forward. He's bitterly angry with Saul. And then it says he hacked Agag to pieces. Again, people say, what is this? What is this terribly violent text doing in the Bible? And why is God, it seems, countenancing this activity? Again, you've got to read it in light of the book of Revelation. You've got to read it in light of Christ crucified who opens the seals. The Amalekites in that Saul story stand for the same thing. They stand for all those powers that are arrayed against God. What is Saul doing in that story? He's not seriously engaging evil. Rather, he's playing with it. See, friend, this is a really important theme, isn't it? Really important theme. Very often in our struggle with evil, we play around with it. We battle it to some degree, but then we keep a little bit for ourselves. 
That's exactly now, symbolically speaking, what Saul is doing with Agag, the king of the Amalekites. He's keeping a little bit of evil for his own purposes. I'll give you a couple of examples here. Suppose you go to your doctor and he's, uh, he's diagnosed cancer and they've gone in for surgery. And he says, well, don't worry about it. I mean, I got in there and I got 90% of the cancer out. Would you be satisfied with that? Would you be happy with that? No, of course not. I mean, 90%, I want you to eliminate the cancer, right? Because the cancer is going to come back. Suppose I went to uh, Cardinal George, my boss, and I said, uh, Your Eminence, um, this priesthood is working out well for me in celibacy. You know, I'm, I'm celibate 90% of the time. <laughs> Would he be satisfied with that? No, there's certain forms of dysfunction that simply have to be eliminated. You can't play around with them. Or suppose a husband came to his wife and said, Honey, this is, I, I love you so much and our marriage is going so well. And I want you to know that I'm faithful to you about 85% of the time. <laughs> Would she be happy with that? There are certain forms of evil and dysfunction that simply have to be eliminated. They have to be opposed. Saul put the ban on the Amalekites. Now read it symbolically. It was just an ancient story about an old battle. Who cares? But it's about us now. Suppose somebody is in a 12-step program. They're struggling with uh, alcoholism. And they say to their sponsor, you know, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I just take one drink a week. Would he be happy with that? No, no, man, you got to eliminate alcohol from your life. You have to put the ban on it. you got to hack it to pieces. You know what I'm saying? You can't play around with it. So Israel battling its enemies, Yahweh commanding Israel to put the ban on their opponents, it's not a, a capricious, uh, cruel act on the part of God. It's a profound and sobering spiritual truth. And see, friends, that's the battle of the church up and down the ages. That's the church's task. We are the new Israel. We must battle Amalek up and down the ages, which, by the way, is precisely what you find in the book of Exodus, that mysterious line. Israel must battle Amalek up and down the ages. Well, see, why would we be talking about this if it's an ancient Middle Eastern tribe? Who would care? We're not battling some ancient Middle Eastern tribe, but we are indeed. We today, right now, the new Israel, we are battling hatred and violence and darkness and self-absorption. And our task must be that of Moses and of Saul. Though Saul didn't obey this command, we must put the ban on it. Just a word now, with all this in mind, to look back at this story, it starts opening up, I think, in all sorts of interesting ways. Moses says to Joshua, pick out certain men and engage Amalek in battle. Well, who are these now? Think of it in terms of the church today. There are certain people who are out there, directly involved in the battle, directly involved in the struggle. They're battling against injustice, against hatred, against... um, um, self-absorption, etc. People directly involved in the battle. But then we hear that Moses goes up on the hill and he holds his hands up in prayer and as long as he's holding his, his arms up, the battle goes well. Who's he? All those members of the church now who are engaged in prayer. Who supports the direct battlers? Who, who supports the soldiers in their struggle? But all those prayers in the church. I mean, 
monks and I mean priests and I mean sisters and I mean lay people who are dedicated to prayer. But then we hear that Moses' arms grow tired. And so Aaron and her come along, two assistants, and they hold up his arms so that the battle goes well. Who are they? Well, who supports people in their prayer? Think of all the donors and all the the, uh, um, benefactors who make the work of monasteries and convents possible. Who are these? But those who are holding up the arms of the church as it prays for those directly involved in the battle against Amalek. See, friends, this is an icon of the church. It's a picture of what we're doing here and now. So don't be put off by these ancient texts that seem at first blush so uh, problematic, especially in our post-September 11th world, is all this religious violence. Think of it now in terms of the spiritual struggle. Back uh, before the council, and I always loved this term, I wish we hadn't dropped it, the church was referred to here on earth as the Ecclesia Militans, the church militant. It means the fighting church, the fighting church. Don't read it violently, but read it as the church that's willing to engage in the struggle against Amalek up and down the ages, that's willing even to put the ban on the Amalekites, to put the ban on all that's opposed to God. Friends, reread these texts in light of the book of Revelation, in light of the lamb standing as though slain who opens the seals. And then in your own way, according to your own gifts, in your own state of life, enter into this great struggle against Amalek. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Father Robert Barron is combating the crisis of faith in our culture. Father Barron's expanded website can deepen your faith, give you new insights into scriptures, and help you become a better Christian. Go to wordonfire.org and tap into Father Barron's compelling videos, sermons, articles, and much more. Wordonfire.org. Connect with one of the Catholic Church's best messengers every day, everywhere.